episode was created with the intent to ruffle some feathers. Cancel us if you would like. Just know that we don't give a fuck. Yeah, what's yeah. going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the kid troll toll trap, aka Wesley Pipes if he never made the league, aka Foam Major, aka Major. Lion Pumper. And we are the Ether Podcast with a special episode. And as I Bounce it off, take it to my left, my right. No, I'm going to take it down there. I'm <laughs> <laughs> beneath <laughs> Lob Jeremy. Look, it threw me because on mine, I'm to your left. So it just tossed me all off. But show me. We got Roll the Brady one, Bunch. Checking in. You already know Mr. Porter, Maddie Ice, Matt the Stallion, the Great Maskey, Young M.A. Wait for it. T.T. One take, Jake LeBaire, James, the captain of the cool kids. You know, die names and always and forever the crown prince and trying to get us canceled but you know what i mean <laughs> they're crowding the lane i can't see huh. the net. i'm gonna kick it to the top of the key take it away black ball <laughs> top of the key you know i'm on the bench man stop playing with me right now cock river is my bad <laughs> <laughs> it's the black boy aka chuckle suave aka aka mr stay wavy so i ain't gotta get wavy and I'm very excited for tonight. Uh, Yo, rotisseries. Oh, uh, man. Yo, rotisseries, favorite dark meat. There yeah, we go. About that one. <laughs> that, you, you had to get it done this time, man. Yeah, yeah. I, had to, yeah. I got it down now. I got All right, it down good, now. good, good. No, but no, this is a very important episode because we have some very special guests on here. And Very before- special. Yes, very, very special. But uh, before we uh, get into it, uh, fellas, do you do you have any pres- uh, uh, personal or preferences on how we introduce y'all? You could just call me Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am the light skin wonder. Just for old times, just for old times, give us something. <laughs> you know, it's the humble one, yes. the light skin wonder, yes. the caramel cream. You yes. already know what I mean. <laughs> Look, man, I, I, I wish you know. I mean, actually, no, it's a it's a good it's a good reunion that we have right now, but you know, we got some future things planned. But for today, we are going to talk about this new initiative that you and Anthony have started. It's called a story for a change. Now, as everyone has known, there's been a lot. There's been a lot going on in the world, and if you've been living under just, a rock, just a little bit, you know, I feel I feel sorry for you, but not really because you know it's time that we approach everything that's happening right now and stop being silent. So, 
before, you know, I get into it, um, I just wanted to, you know, thank everybody for coming on this episode. You know, I'm really happy that we're all here today in support of one another. And, you know, everything that we're doing right now is just, you know, for a bigger cause. And the one thing that, you know, I was really thinking about once all these events were happening was just ways that that I can contribute and help. Because I think that when we all when we all think of ways to make change or ways to help, you know, we immediately start thinking of the bigger scale, everything that's happening that might be out of our reach. But what we really need to focus on is the grass, the grassroots and how we can start, you know, change from within and how what we can do from not not to say the bottom, but like what we can do from what we're given, because, you know, there's there's always that that immediate mindset where, OK, you know, while, yes, we do have to protest, we have to march, we still, but we also need to support Black-owned businesses. We need to still share um, different pieces of information that's going to educate people who may not be that educated because, you know, as we get older, we learn that uh, the, the education system, they, they gloss over a lot of important pieces of history. And, you know, as you get older, you know, there's tons of information out there that, that you can utilize, tons of sources. So, but along with a way to just say, hey, we're here and it's important that we keep our foot on the gas because, you know, I've been seeing seeing a lot of overwhelming support in this first week, but this is just the beginning. Like I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, uh, after one week, everyone just goes back to their everyday lives and business as usual, because this has been uh, an issue and problem that the black community has been facing for God knows how long shit since the uh, since this whole nation was founded. So, yeah, but I'll let you guys go. I want to welcome the fellas who started a story for change. Now, the floor is yours. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll start it off. Um, we first started off with the idea and had an idea. Um, he sent it to our, one of our group chats about doing a competition, like a, like an essay competition. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to just basically, yeah, we wanted to, cause he's a, he's a good writer. Um, actually just graduated, um, law school. Hey, congrats, um, so he wanted to incorporate um, writing basically with a way to tell stories about racism or not racism, just racial injustice and racial experiences in America, because the best way for people to learn perspectives is through human storytelling or experiencing them it themselves. So if they haven't got a chance to experience it, what better way than reading a story from maybe someone that looks like you or someone that doesn't look like you. So you can get a perspective that maybe you weren't privy to from where you came up with, from where you came up or where you were born. So the idea grew into everyone just sort of sharing stories and we will put money behind those stories. So as we know money unfortunately as it is rules the world in america so like we wanted to make change be able to donate to causes that could do a little bit more than us but we still wanted to be able to sort of educate and we're not claiming to be like experts but we want to do some education with our posts so like if you see every time we post a story on a story for change we sort of try and go in our captions and analyze the story and try and break down the story a little bit so people can see maybe um explicitly maybe the racism or the implicit biases different um i guess i would say racial terminology i don't know the exact word for it mm -hmm. but we want to get people to be more um knowledgeable about the things that happen and maybe things that happen indirectly as well so they can change that in their lives or maybe learn a new perspective so they can be better too so the whole goal was about making everyone uh 
better and more knowledgeable on different racial situations that we're not like we don't learn in school to become anti-racist you know what i mean and i feel like that's become a popular term during this movement everyone sort of learns like racism is bad like don't talk really about race like if you're talking about race you shouldn't like try and avoid it as much as possible don't be racist simple as that so like from that message you realize as a person as long as you're not racist you're doing your job when we've learned that doesn't cause change for the people that are being oppressed right so you have to be actively against racism so the best way for us to show that was through people's stories well yeah and it started off with you know i was getting so pissed off on facebook and different social media seeing all these white people you know saying that they're not racist and you know racism doesn't exist systemic racism doesn't exist anymore in 2020 not understanding what white privilege was and i was trying to think like how can i make people understand like a lot of these people a lot of these white people don't have any black friends like i've been really fortunate to have throughout my life a lot of diverse friends and Mm -hmm. like i think that has really kind of you know changed me as a person and like made me understand a lot so i thought maybe if we could share these stories with people they could develop a little bit of more understanding about um, what black people and other people of color go through on a daily basis, which like even myself, like I don't understand. And for a long time I didn't understand. And I would be like, I don't like, I've even said to Reagan in the past, like I couldn't believe that he could be a suburban black kid and face discrimination. And I was just wrong. And like, I look back and it, you know, that's embarrassing to me now because um it's not true. So (laughs) I'm thinking maybe if we could share these experiences with people, like they, they might start understanding. Um, so that, that's kind of where it came from. And like, at this point, you know, it's not just, we're not just asking about stories about black people or or black people's experiences. We, We understand also that like, it's not on black people to keep trying to explain to white people that they face racism every day. Like it's not, it's not their job, but um, with that being said, we do think that it helps uh, when people want to share. Like I, I think it personally that it helps the other side understand more. And if if that other side is their heart's in the right place and wants to listen, I think that it could really affect them. And uh, we've had we've actually had like white people reach out to us saying, you know, the stories made them cry. Like they didn't even imagine that this happened in their neighborhood, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So like. At that point, we already feel like our mission has been validated in some sense because um, if we could change one person's heart, I mean, that's a great first step. But uh, so that's kind of how it started. Um, Right now, we uh, unfortunately, we only have the ability to collect via Venmo and Cash App, but uh, we can assure you that 100% of what we receive from people gets donated to various charities, including Black Lives Matter, um, the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, which goes to help pay bail for people at protest, um, other bail funds from Philadelphia, which do the same type of thing. Yeah, and, the Philadelphia Community Bail Fund and yeah, Equal Justice Initiative. Stuff like um, that. So, I mean, I guess our mission is twofold. It's to try to raise money for these organizations that mm-hmm. are going to help enact change. And the other part is to try to get these stories out there to try to, you know, show people what's going on and and the experiences that people are having. Um, the end goal is kind of lofty. We, we hoped 
So when I first thought of it, I, I thought so many people want to deny racism. I wish I could make a fucking, sorry for cursing. I wish nah, I could... you better get your shit off, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, I wanted to make, I was thinking like, I wish I could make like an encyclopedia that shows people that like, you can't deny this stuff. Like it, it happens. And these are real people giving us their experiences. Like, I wish I could make you see because some people just don't want to see, but that, right. that's extremely lofty goal. We don't know that we'll ever collect that many stories, but you know, at this point, we're just trying to get as many we can show people and try to analyze it and connect with it. And at the same time, we're learning too. I mean, like Reagan said, we're, we don't claim to be experts in this stuff. Like we try to read up on it. I mean, I'm learning all the time been learning over the past few years but i mean we've been trying our best to like even even more so now like just diving in learning more that we can about racial injustice and like systemic racism ourselves because now that we are put into like a position where we're sort of like kind of educators we felt like we need to ourselves need to be like immersed all in the topic and we have to become experts because we want to like create the change. You know what I mean? So like if we're not actively learning and being active participants in our own initiative, how are we going to be able to teach others or how are others going to want to listen to us if we're not up to date, know what we're doing, know what we're talking about. So I think um, to Ann's point, we like the small goal in the beginning was like, you know, 250 bucks, even if we could change one person's mind, like Ant said, one person's mind, like the job would have been done because I hate to like, it's sort of like, you know, if we look, if we think about like coronavirus, how like they say, you know, one person has it, it can spread to three. If one person learns about racial injustice and systemic racism, they tell their parents, they tell their friends, that can be an ex- exponential exponentially compound and teach other people so while you might think that hey i only got through to one person that one person could get to to maybe another person or three other people so everyone that you change or you help to see the light in this case is a huge step especially for us because it was grassroots you know what i mean we started off with a simple type business type text where we texted just our close friends to get started it was we didn't we didn't know how to, it's, it's always an awkward situation when we didn't really have like these fundraising credentials or these, this activism credentials to ask people, Hey, we have this great idea that we think's great that you guys might yeah. like, but we need you guys to give us some money up front. Like, but we promise we're going to do good, but the support was overwhelming and it was really motivational for us to see how many people supported us because it just wanted to make a, it just made us want to do a better job for everyone else. Like, you know what I mean? Like people trusted us so much and believed in us so much and our, um, what we were going to do that it was like, we have no choice. Like we can't fail. You know what I mean? Like we can't fail. We have to try our hardest and it's, it's for a great cause. Like it's not for us. Like we never got into this to be like, Oh, let's do this and gain clout. And then we're going to go do something else after this. You know what I mean? Like the whole goal was to just like, try and educate people for causes that we're serious about. Cause like, if you read our group chat, like anytime something political goes down, we're freaking out about it. And it's about time, like, you know, we actually did something about it instead of just, like, freak out about it. And I'm not here to discredit anyone because I know there's many ways that 
people can show their activism and activism is not always just doing or starting an organization or mm -hmm. starting an event or doing something for some people it starts off small with like instagram posts like and then they show their friends because it's uncomfortable for some people when they first start posting about race because they're worried about oh are my friends you know especially if you're white are my friends gonna disown me because i'm pushing for black lives like are they going to think that i'm trying too hard you know what i mean so it's like people are learning their ways to be activists you know what i mean so, right. so we're just trying to point about posting um i found myself in law school having a lot of friends who were really averse to posting about politics and stuff and i i mean to me and a couple of my other friends who are more politically active would say to them, like, you're going to be a lawyer. Um, your voice does matter to people. And also, people on social media, like, that's what people read. So, like, to think that you shouldn't be posting about that stuff on social media, like, that's what people see every day. Like, that's how you get your voice out. So, that's Agreed. another aspect we kind of, we, we felt like it would have power by posting it on social media. Right. And I think, and I think the whole premise, too, behind um, a story for a change, I think, tackles something that, that might seem simple, but has been a topic that has been avoided this whole time. It's just the fact that people are now having these, having this open dialogue, because whenever this stuff happens, you know, I feel like in the past, it's just been like me and Reagan texting about, or me and Hood texting about it, like, oh, what, the, what's, what's going on in the world? This is fucked up. And I feel like there's never really, I've never really had any of these type of discussions I have with some of my white friends, but I feel like overall, it's always been like, they read the news. Oh, damn, that's fucked up. Yeah, mm -hmm. we know like this is like, this is what's been going on. So I think even though it's it seems small, but it it addresses uh, an issue to me that's been um, going on like forever, because it's just like, I feel like we've been in this alone this whole time. And like, we've been screaming for for equality and help this whole time. And it just feels like this is the, like the first time in a while where like everyone is like, okay, I hear you. But like yeah. now it's time to see, okay, now like we really need to put some action towards it because, you know, just because you hear me, just because you are sympathetic towards me, like, look, I, like, I appreciate it, but at the same time, like, that's not enough. Like I, I, I need to Agreed. see more because, um, it's, it's, it's an issue that, you know, I got to deal with on an everyday basis. And, and I think just getting that message across will then, like you said, will spread like a virus. So like, you know, it gets to one person, get to another, and it's just an important thing that needs to, to be addressed and be talked about because th like this shit happens, has been happening from generation to generation to generation. Like you're seeing, you're seeing little kids at protests and it's just like, I'm seeing photos like, oh man, this like, it's great, you know, they're there. But the point is they shouldn't be there. Like, they shouldn't have to be there. They shouldn't like, have to be there in the first place. It's a shame when you see a little girl and they're like, she should be president. She shouldn't have to be protesting for her life to matter. Yeah, like, like that should not be a thing. And to expound on your point, I mean, to be honest, the cell phone and with the camera has been honestly and social media has been one of the biggest weapons that black people have got because before this, like people, I mean, you guys can all relate. 
our parents would talk about how sh um shit happened to them all the time unjustly unjustly but there was no one to believe them who's going right. to believe them they had no way to film it there was no way to film it there was no way to post it how are you going to get like and that's where systemic racism comes in like who owns the newspaper how are they going to be able to pull out an ad in a newspaper to say this happened to me the police have all the money and can easily just write an, an op-ed the next day to cancel that all out. So people finally, with the um, invention of the cell phone and the camera, and then with social media platforms, finally were able to start seeing with their eyes. And it didn't even, it didn't happen right away. Like, you know, with Trayvon Martin and everything, it mm -hmm. took people to see it over and over and over and over and over and over again to be like, you know what? Maybe they weren't lying. Like, and I hate to put it so like, I guess easy, but like, that's what You're happened. Right, and it's like, they were like, maybe they weren't lying. And I think that now everyone, you know, has that visine in their eyes and is seeing a lot clearer nowadays. I would say most people that I feel like our stories have like, this is a chance for them to really like people that are opening up and seeing things. This is their chance to like see with clear eyes and they can see stories. And the best part about it is right now, like obviously right now it's small, but it's, it's majority people we know. So like a lot of the stories people can connect with and we don't say that anyone has to tag themselves. Like you can be anonymous with your story. We don't encourage anyone to share if they don't to share their name if they don't want to. But like mm -hmm. when people put a name to their face, I mean, a name to their story, people use might not might know that person and be like, damn, that guy was my good friend or that girl was my good friend. And that happened to them or this person looks like me and saw something happen and spoke out and. I never spoke out. Why did I not do it? But they did. They did it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just a way for people to really like self-reflect a little bit and look and see these stories and read them and try and interact with them and think how like if something like that happens in their life, maybe they can change it or they could be a reason that doesn't happen later on in the future. Yeah, but uh, just, did, look, uh, just, just real quick, I just want to... Uh go along with what you were saying even with all that technology and everything there's still a group of people who are going to say well what did he do oh yeah for sure <laughs> i totally agree with you there's still the people that are like they're like oh well he still broke the law and my yeah. biggest my biggest um rebuttal to that is like how many people underage drank Every time we went to a party and underage drank did we deserve to be shot because we were breaking the law everyone will say no Mm -hmm. And I can say that the majority of people have probably drank sometime underage. And if you got caught or you were running away from a party or you were doing anything like that, you think, oh, every American drinks underage. <laughs> well, that to that argument, we should have all been shot or been at threat levels <laughs> to be shot because we were breaking the law. And that's why I can't stand like, oh, well, he shouldn't have been breaking the law. He shouldn't have been speeding. How many times do you speed a day? You know what I mean? Like it's right. stuff that they don't even think about. And that's the lack of empathy because they don't put themselves in their shoes. These are regular, regular everyday stops that people happen to people, whether they're an 80 year old gr white grandma or a 15 year old or a 16 year old young black boy. But it's constantly the black people that have to face the higher levels of scrutiny and are immediately perceived as a threat. And that's all the time. Hearing, you know, we've tried to share stories from well-intentioned white people, too, to say, like, listen, like, I, I've done a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing, and the cops were nice to me. Like, try to show that 
the difference between the two approaches when the police interact with black people and white people. And I think that's part of the power of our project is showing the difference between how white people are treated by police and by the government and everything and the difference between that and black people. And then to uh, to that point, too, is like also just, you know, how quickly the, the media or people try to go into um, the black person's uh, past history where, you know, if, if it was a white person who mm. committed an act of crime, whatever, they just talk about, oh, you know, he, he's a troubled soul, this, this and that. But you mentally know, for, ill. Yeah. But for a black person, it's like, oh, well, you know, he's had a criminal history. Yeah, it's a level of it's a level of compassion that you're not afforded right. if you're if you're black. Previews the the bit about microaggressions that we're going to talk to is is the language we use. And my friend brought up a good point. How you know in in a, like Italian gangster movies they're always called mobsters, but if you watch a movie about black people, they're criminals or something. And it's just like the subtle language we use mm-hmm. can really it it has a deep impact that slowly happens time over time and. Yeah, I mean, I, that's just a little preview of what we're going to get to, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> the shadowings. The shadowings. <laughs> Can I chime in on that for a second? We didn't introduce yeah, you Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I know, I didn't introduce yet. But, um, you know, the best, um, you know, analogy that kind of speaks to what Raven was saying that I heard, um, you know, about the criminal stance of what, um, you know, happened with the George Floyd incident, you know, you know, if you have a white college male, um, I, you know, who, who used to try to use a counterfeit bill, it's a joke or a story that he tells to his friends sometimes mm-hmm. over drinks, you know, and you have mm-hmm. this black male here who lost his life for it. So, you know, it just speaks again to, you know, what you guys are saying in the sense of, you know, the microaggressions and the stereotypes uh, between black people and white people just are not equal and they are not the same. Right. And, and this might be the perfect and, time and to that- introduce you. <laughs> perfectly yeah no so so um reagan and ann unless you guys have um any any uh, additional thoughts that you want to put in that's specifically related to story for a change by all means but if not we will uh move it over to miss Aaliyah conlin hello um yeah so happy to be here um i just waved like you could see me <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so i'm here today to um talk about um, some exciting things that um, I've kind of been working on and, you know, in light of, you know, the pain and the sorrow that, um, you know, I've experienced along with so many others, um, you know, from that pain and that sorrow, I sought out, um, you know, in response to, you know, all of the amazing feedback that was, you know, quite overwhelming that I was getting from allies, from white people who were not in my um, inner circle, um, just of you know, ways that they can help, what they can do. Um, there was such a, a hunger for what can I do right now and what can I continue to do to be an ally and an advocate for you in the Black community? And, you know, it really took me some time. I, you know, I didn't know what to say to most people, um, you know, and as I kind of collected my thoughts, um, you know, it, it really all goes back to, you know, a point that you guys have said earlier, learning the history. Um, the support of Black businesses and the support of Black culture, whether that be Black artists, um, you know, athletes in your direct area or nationwide and worldwide. Um, so, you know, I will never say that this is perfect. This was perfect timing because the incidents that led to this boiling pot that we're now seeing um, should have never happened. Um, but we were coming up on the, you know, heels of Juneteenth. 
And, you know, I thought what better way to celebrate, um, you know, black culture, black history, and all that is so amazing about black people, other than, you know, this, sorry. <laughs> um, Bone jumping. Then this, yeah. <laughs> um, my wonderful mom. <laughs> um, Hi, mom. You know, <laughs> then Juneteenth, um, you know, which where with also this recognition that, you know, we still have so much, so much further to go as a black community and as, you know, human, human beings in this earth together. Um, and so I start created a Juneteenth um, event and it um, started out on Facebook and now it's um, branched over to Instagram. And it really just started out as a way to be able to connect people um, to, you know, better black history resources um, and events that have happened um, black businesses in their area and nationwide, as well as um, black culture featuring black artists, um, speakers, and all kinds of different advocates. Um, so we're going to be doing a live virtual um, concert. It's It really has evolved um, into something greater um, than I ever could have imagined. Um, we have a lineup of, of over 15 artists who are going to be showcasing their talents throughout the day. Spoken word, um, rap, singers. Um, we have some seminars happening. We're going to be collaborating with some amazing people like Ant and Reagan. <laughs> um, Real quick, Reagan. Aaliyah, um, if you don't mind, for, just yeah. for people listening, just in case they don't, sorry to take the moderator role, just yeah. in case they don't know what Juneteenth <laughs> is, can you explain to people what Juneteenth is? Real yeah. quick. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, and like I said, this it's it's set out as really an awareness, um, and it has since grown into something, like I said, that bigger than I thought. Um, what Juneteenth in itself is a big history lesson. Um, so Juneteenth is the day that the last slaves learned that they were free. Um, and I say that that's a history lesson because people know Emancipation Proclamation as the day that all slaves were free. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. That happened in January of 1963. The last slaves in Texas did not learn of their freedom until two and a half years later on the date that we now know as Juneteenth, um, which is June 19th of Of course, of course it was Texas. Of, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, so 1965? I'm oh, sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. 1865. I was like, damn, they just <laughs> That was just yesterday. <laughs> so what they've been doing this whole time. <laughs> Clearly we're still not free in all this. We are still free in that and we are free in that. I'm sorry. 18, I mean, figuratively, black people still want right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, like, how, sick would you be? how sick would you be if you was the family that found out she was free in 1965? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, wait. Like, Y'all niggas been doing it. this shit for 200 <laughs> years? Wait. <laughs> you ain't get the memo? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> but that's so, literally so many that's what barbecues. they were saying. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, could you imagine? But... Um, yeah, so, you know, so many people, you know, in response to the Facebook event that, um, you know, I had started, immediately responded back, I had no idea about this. Um, you know, what is Juneteenth? You know, and, and, and the most amazing thing that people responding back was, you know, what ways can I celebrate? Um, so, you know, our, we have a big push, like I said, that day, we're featuring a lot of Black artists of all different kinds. 
um, as well as um, having a big push for supporting black businesses, connecting people with more black businesses in their area and nationwide um, in the hopes that they can set, support them that day and then as well as moving forward. So anyone who's looking to celebrate, if you're getting a cake, look for a black bakery. If you're getting a t-shirt, look for a black owned apparel company. If you're getting decorations, don't order them off Amazon because that is not black owned. <laughs> find, try to that find sure a isn't. black owned stationary company. Um, yeah, so, so um, you know, we're, we really just want to um, help to push to put, um, you know, the money back into these black communities, <laughs> um, back into these black businesses and for people to learn, first of all, have a history lesson, their first Black History lesson of learning what Juneteenth is, yeah. um, as yeah. well as, um, you know, engaging and submerging themselves into other um, Black history events in history. You'd um, be surprised before this how many people didn't know what Juneteenth was. Yes, yes. Like, it's, it's pretty scary, the amount of people that, and, and we never, we honestly, we never learned that in school, like, that, mm -hmm. that day. <laughs> we never learned about never Juneteenth. Learned about I didn't learn about it until, I learned about it in church. Yes. <laughs> like that's all I had to learn yeah. about it was from church yeah. because we never learned that in high school or middle school, elementary. That's the main reason why I wanted you to expound on that too. Cause like, I feel like it's not common knowledge, especially if you're like from where the majority of us grew up, like it's definitely not common knowledge. That is like hidden underground. Like you have to really like yeah. seek it out. They don't want you to know about that. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's often referred to as the black fourth of July. Um, and I think that that's just so important for people to realize why it is, um, because well, as we celebrate Fourth of July, you know, we had slaves when when for, when the original date of Fourth of July occurred, and mm. it, and we were not in, included in that freedom. Mm. And it's that's why it's so such an important holiday for us as as Black people, Black supporters, Black allies to engage in, you know, because we put such a focus on you know, days like Memorial Day and July 4th, um, you know, in events in history where we were not included mm -hmm. and we were not represented and we mm -hmm. did not have freedom. So, you know, that's why it's so important to me. And that's why I really grew a passion for trying to grow it this year. And hopefully going forward, um, you know, it is recognized in um, 47 states. It's not recognized in Hawaii, North Dakota, South Dakota, and um, Montana. Wow. Well, not in a, uh, an official damn you, Montana. <laughs> damn you, Montana. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm gonna say all those weren't surprising except for Hawaii. Yeah, I was kind of shocked by Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii was kind of surprising. <laughs> no, uh, 46, uh, I said 47. Correct myself. <laughs> like Hawaii, Hawaii is like actually like surprisingly so far detached from like mainland issues. Like they're like yeah. they really treat it like oh out of sight, out of mind, like, hey, yeah. even though they're a fifth, the 50th state, they're like, hey, that's America. Yeah. They're so, like, like, aloha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> family, family over here. We're all family in Hawaii. We don't really do that over there. <laughs> what they doing over there? Oh, that, that ain't us. <laughs> so we're going to try to get Juneteenth in Hawaii. That's, that's <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, it's it, um, the event can be, um, you know, what's almost so special about the fact that we can't do this kind of, um, you know, a physical place this year because of COVID, um, you know, we're, we are doing it online. So what's beautiful about that is anyone from anywhere can, can stream it and engage and be a part of it that day. 
um, even if they just, you know, tune in to see, you know, what we're doing for a little bit and celebrate in their own way. Um, you know, anyone can kind of um, be a part of it from anywhere. So um, uh, my last point that I'll bring up is that, um, you know, in the development of this and, you know, as, um, you know, my mom, my sister, um, and those who are in my team helping me to put this <laughs> together, um, you know, we recognize that it doesn't end here and that this isn't the end, you know, of, of the fight and that there's a lot of work to be done Juneteenth and on. Um, mm -hmm. So because of that, we started um, an Instagram account, which will be going to Facebook post Juneteenth event, um, our face, yeah, Facebook post the Juneteenth event. Um, uh, called Do It Now. And um, on that page, we're just going to continue to um, connect people to resources of Black businesses, um, Black history, and Black culture in ways that they can um, help to support and uh, be a part of the change. And um, that uh, name actually came from no, you listen. Oh, listen, the floor is yours. Keep going. Get yeah, off for sure. all the information right. you need. That's that's what that's, that's what we want to spread. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, it's 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 a, um a really special name because um my uh, grandfather, who I actually never met, um he died suddenly at age forty, um and he was the pioneer in Johnson and Johnson in New Jersey. He was the first H black HR director that they had. Um, and he really helped to pave the way for a lot of people of color um, within the Johnson & Johnson um, business. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there were so many people who said, you know, your dad, you my, you know, my first chance, my first interview, you know, all of that. Um, and like I said, I did not meet him. But um, my mom tells me the story all the time when they cleared out his desk at Johnson & Johnson on a little piece of paper um, was this, you know, long poem about, you know, and the premise of it, you know, life's too short and, um, you know, all of that kind of good stuff. And at the bottom of it, um, it said, don't wait, do it now. Um, so I just thought it was uh, such a special way to kind of moralize him and uh, continue his mission of, you know, helping, you know, that person who doesn't have that chance or helping that, you know, Black business in this area or helping to link people um, so that they can be better advocates and allies. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah. awesome. I think that's awesome and important because, I mean, Jordan, I know the one thing that you're always preaching is that, you know, really got to build up our communities, you know, like you said, like build up our own Wakanda. <laughs> but yeah, no, but yeah, no, that's that. No, that's really that's really awesome because I there's probably a ton of people who have no idea what black owned business are out there. You know, like they don't they. Mm -hmm. And just getting that information out is really important because, um, like we've said earlier in this in this episode, that you know money talks, and yes. and you know let's let's start let's start uplifting and supporting the businesses that that really matter that can really you know change things around here. Yeah, being a conscious consumer is you know yeah. so important, and I think we're you know we are we're in a shift in so many different ways. And, you know, we're in this, in this, you know, environment where it really is kind of like a draw line in the sand, um, you know, situation where, you know, these large companies are making statements. And although, yes, it's a piece of paper, it's an Instagram post, it, it, it still means something. And you can still follow up with that company to see 
what their diversity percentage is. What is their upper management diversity? <clears throat> You know, so just talk that talk. Yes. Oh. <laughs> you um, have the soundboard, no. Jordan. <laughs> um, you know, so um, you know, if you you know, I always say to people, you know, if you're in an area and you can't support a local, you know, black business, or if you can't find a larger company that you know has the product that you have, then do the research on that company and see are they supporting the black community? Say mm-hmm. are they saying Black Lives Matter? Are they, you know, funding people, um, you know, and giving money to people who, who don't fit a, fit or align with your your morals? Um, so, yeah. I was going to say, I totally agree. Purchasing power, I think Americans are finally waking up and understanding the importance of purchasing power and that everyone has it. And if Americans were more conscious with their money spending and where their money goes, a lot would change a lot faster mm-hmm. because when stocks start going down and the people up top start feeling it, they have to change because their bottom line is being affected. So if their bottom line is being affected, then the real change will come. And it, I hate to say that we have to focus on a certain group of people, but those are the people that are going to like talk down to people so that we can create the change. And if their bottom lines being affected, that's why these protests are huge because bottom lines are being affected like it's going so that's what i think we have to do but it's so just just for, i'm sorry to cut you off but just real quick there are conscious white people who have been saying this for years that if black people got together and invested our money in the right things that we could gain some of that power back so i just i find it interesting that now we're starting to or at least our generation whoever we're starting to see now that oh shoot, we really can actually affect you know the the higher ups if we just stop Agree, but it's more than just bla- it's more than just black people though, and you gotta yeah. you gotta remember it's also very hard because a lot of those companies will do and say things like to Aaliyah's point, a lot of them will say Black Lives Matter, but you gotta look down and see who they're voting for, who they're right, putting money right. towards, because there's a lot of companies right now that are gonna. It's easy as hell to post up a black square on Instagram and be like, "Yo, we're with black people. Black Lives Matter," because. My biggest thing with right now, the moment we're at now, is it cannot be a fad. And right now, the fad is Black Lives Matter. And it's obviously not a fad, but right now, it's Black Lives Matter. But will this be here two weeks later? Like, I'm already starting to see the timeline Mm -hmm. return somewhat to normal. You know what I mean? People going out, the selfies are coming back. And, like, I'm not here to tell anyone how their um, social media should be run, but that's just indicative of how the world is starting to feel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're starting to get over this. So, like, while Black Lives Matter is the hot topic now, Black Lives Matter needs to not be a topic. That needs to be a thought, and not only a thought, that needs to be a way you live by. Mm -hmm. So, regardless of if they say it, I need to see it. Like, because a a ton of companies will tell you Black Lives Matter, then you see they're donating money to the president that does not care about black lives. So like at, at that point, all you're doing is saying black lives matter to protect your bottom line. And there's tons of people that will say and post anything for their bottom line. And I had a like on the blackout Tuesday, I was like sort of, you know, I was up in the air with a lot of it because a lot of companies are posting, but I don't see no money going. Like it don't, mm-hmm. that, that, that post don't mean nothing. Like I understand you're trying to help, but 
y'all have y'all are multi-million dollar companies. Y'all can start throwing some money somewhere to see that, hey, we're really behind it. Like we're, you're really mean what you say. You're not just here to keep your stocks afloat. And right. yeah, the only way you can make sure that they're not just show acting like they're about it when they're not is hitting them in the pocketbook. So exactly. Open that purse. Exactly. <laughs> and that's when that and seriously, like, and I know it's hard because like everyone wants to complain, like, because if you look at some of the lists, it's like, oh, McDonald's stuff that people can get easily, but it takes that extra step, that extra step to be like, hey, you know what, they are not doing the right thing, no matter how much I love their product or have loved their product in the past, it's time for me to give it up now, because there's other alternatives, it might not be easy. But, like, the fight is not supposed to be easy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, the fight is not going to be easy. So it's sacrifices that everyone has to make, everyone has to make That's for the greater heart. good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's sacrifices. <laughs> and it, I hate to say that, like, some of it's, it is a sacrifice because you're going to, you're definitely, for a lot of it, you might end up paying a higher price because people can't afford small businesses can't afford the stuff amazon can afford with all their human labor and the, all the money they have so you might have to end up you might pay a little more but you know it's going for a good cause you might lose out on some accessibility or some convenience but hey at the end of the day it's going to a great cause and it's going to better your life in the end and other people's lives and get mm. us to the world we want so like people have to get a little uncomfortable. Like it's definitely uncomfortable. Black people have been uncomfortable in America for a long ass time. So like <laughs> time to buckle up and get a little uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. This nigga spitting. Yes. Yeah. It's just wild <laughs> that some people don't want to give up like Chick-fil-A and shit for this. Exactly. That's the thing. Like <laughs> it's like, hilarious. oh my God, that's I love that. It's me. like I love Chick-fil-A. Like I love Chick-fil-A too. But guess Who what, man? <laughs> they, you know, they're not supporting gays. They're not supporting black people. So like at the end of the day, I'm not supporting you anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm right. gonna go to Popeyes and get me my Popeyes chicken sandwich then. Like, there's <laughs> other options, you know what I mean? Like, you gotta figure out a way. Any way you can make it work, you know what I mean? But like you people really need to take that. Chicken. Ooh, it's because don't biscuits. sleep, don't Stop sleep. It. Stop it. The best best mm. best gas station fried chicken, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. Bar none. Top none. Go find a Upper black echelon. owned farm and get some frosted flakes and make your own crispy flies. There we go. There yeah. We go. <laughs> but, but seriously, like that purchasing power is huge. And that's when people will start to realize, hey, we need to make conscious changes about who we are as a company. Yeah. And who we want to be, you know, as American, what, who do, do we want to continue to support these companies? <laughs> exactly. That are just going to keep going with the status quo and like keep acting like things are normal because like we live in a time period where like everything's sensationalized and everything is like matter of the fact nowadays with social media and the way news pops up. Like you have one story today and then the next day the story's gone and then it's a whole new story. So like the, the, um, as Travis said in one of his Instagram stories today, it's important to keep the foot on the gas because people are That's going to try the people that are uncomfortable are going to try and get out of this situation as fast as possible and get back to the status quo. But that is also like the biggest explicit illustration of white privilege is to be like, I'm a post through this. I'm a post through this and get through this. Like it's uncomfortable to see me 
asking for other uh, it's uncomfortable for me on the timeline to see other people asking for rights and they feel uncomfortable on their timelines and they just want it to go back to when everyone's posting their selfies everyone's back to normal but like you have to keep the foot on the gas because everything we know the first round of things is not going to be the end nothing that gets through right away will be the end we have to keep pushing for more we know how it goes there'll be a little bit of reform a little bit of, you know, a little bit of laws on top that really don't mean much to be like, hey, we did something, but we have to make sure they're constantly doing it. And right. every time there's an act, they need to be there. Not, oh, I'm going to do something because they've been telling us they're going to do something since the beginning of time. Yeah. All right. And Damn, we're Reagan, still here. Reagan Luther King over here. <laughs> <laughs> RLK. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. I have a dream. Filet <laughs> <laughs> sandwiches will be eaten. <laughs> no, but that's 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 all facts right there. It's it's you know we can't we can't make this a fad. Like it it <laughs> yesterday what was it? Mitt Romney had tweeted Black Lives Matter. It's like all right, like all right. Uh, when is it? And my thing is like, like this, and that's right. the thing where I, I was alluding to. Like you have people like Mitt Romney just saying it because it's the thing yeah. to say right now. But it's like yeah. all right, let me see you put some laws behind it like when are you going to break from voting with the republicans to support black lives you saying black lives matter doesn't mean shit for me to be honest like and i i know that i know that the media and the people that are in the middle are eating that shit up like oh my god this is a great beginning no no when he (laughs) signs something that'll be a great beginning (laughs) anyone can say anything on twitter look who he's walking with and not not that you're the protests like obviously they're diverse he's around all white people like there's like two black people next to him so like what was that a photo op like what am i seeing like you know what i mean like matter but not around me yeah like there's like three black people next to him like so like i understand like the protests are different but like there's three black people in like the picture so he said black lives matter in front of a bunch of white people in front of a camera who was trying to get a scoop so My bad if I'm not ready to be like, oh, my God, Mitt Romney, you need to run for the Republican side. Like, you need to be the Republican. Nah, 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 nah. He's done too much and said so much. I saw someone tweet, what kind of name is Mitt? Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, what's up with your mitt, bull? <laughs> like, come on, though. Like, we're not. That's the kind of shit like the media falls for, and they're like, "Oh my God, Mitt Romney, he's the first Republican to ever say it on camera." Like, bro, wow. he said three <laughs> words. He and he did nothing. He did nothing for it. He said three words. Like, congrats. Anyone can but say some, three words. But listen, but listen. But yeah. to some people, to some people of an older generation, that's coming. Like, that's a long way from. Oh yeah, how for sure. Spoken. So I know, but I agree with what you're saying. It definitely. Oh yeah. It definitely. It's has definitely to be more a lot. Speech. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, he's definitely, like, it's definitely, like, it, it does take a lot for him to say that. But like in this time and era, like. It was seeing all that. the corporations saying Black Lives Matter, like yeah. that to me, that wasn't that courageous for him. Like right. everyone has already said it. He's already like his PR team and his numbers team had probably already run the analytics. Like, yo, you're not going to get harmed for saying Black Lives Matter. Right. Like this will <laughs> just boost you. So like yeah. just say Black Lives Matter. We'll get it on camera and everyone will be talking about it and you'll be trending because you're the first Republican. Like we know how the like we know how the internet works. I know how these stories turn out. So like I was just sort of like, hey man, like Mitt, when you sign something, 
I'll be the one to first say, hey, I'm sorry for condemning you and coming out. But like, I'm not going to clap for someone that says Black Lives Matter. Like, we want to see something, especially someone who's been voting against Black Lives his whole life. Right. Mitt Romney's conception of Black Lives Matter cannot be the end. The same as exactly. It's not the same as ours. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point, too. That is a very great point. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And yeah, that's so true. That's so what say? Keep our foot on the gas, like you were yeah. saying before. And like, and like Jordan said, it, it is. To some people, it, that is a big deal. And that shook some people to their core when they saw that, you know? But but like you're saying, Regan, it's it's not enough to say, okay, congratulations. Okay, all is good. Mitt Romney said Black Lives Matter. We're moving on. We need yeah, to exactly. Him. We need to stay on him and okay. Yes, okay. We acknowledge you for getting to that point. It's a little too late, but we acknowledge you for getting there. Now let's 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 keep the pressure on you because we need to see some action. Exactly. And I'm gonna be meticulously watching every bill he signs because he said that. So I will be the first person to let people know he voted the wrong way. <laughs> Cause you know, it's only just a matter of time until he does. Like, cause my thing is like they'll sign a bunch of easy like laws in the beginning, like the Eric Garner law, like no more choking. Like that's an obvious law that should <laughs> yeah. be like, you know what I mean? And right, they, and then they're going to, they're going to parade it around. Like, woohoo, woohoo, we made this law in honor of a black guy. Like that the cops should not be kneeing on people's necks and choke holding people. Like that is obvious. That is rhetorical. We should, that should already be a law. Like you don't get applauded for doing shit that should be done. Like when we <laughs> see actual reform, we will be there. But like these first sets of laws, like people cannot get complacent because they're going to see that. And then especially people that are in the middle that are not allies per se are going to be like, look, you already got all this. What more do you want? And right. that's where we're going to get. And we have to let wow. them know we need more. We are, that is, that he, is a thousand percent true. He said, damn, we're not allowed to choke y'all no more. What else y'all want? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Like, yeah. Damn, we stopped choking y'all. Like, what else? <laughs> said, we gave but, you what you want. Nah, nope. That's nah, not we it. Need, <laughs> say, I can't, I can't breathe. That shirt's outdated. We stopped talking, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's so 2020. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but Reagan said it best, so like at the beginning of the call, uh, just not being racist isn't enough anymore. Like just, yeah. just saying like, oh, ooh, hey, I ooh, don't have negative things ooh. to say about black people. That's not enough. So it's like, all right. Ooh. It's like, what, what's that shit called? Uh, that bystander mentality, like when a crime happens and people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I won't call because someone else will call. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not racist, but I ain't going, I mean, jump into the mix because somebody else who's better equipped to speak on black issues that's not a black person might do that shit. But then that same person feels the same way. It's like, I'm white. What can I really say? It's like, bro, you can say a lot. <laughs> exactly. Just, just mm-hmm. saying something is a step. But like you said with the Mitt Romney shit, like Jordan pointed out, like, that's leaps and bounds from what our grandparents would have ever thought a white Republican said. It's like, so we took that right step. Now niggas got to keep walking. Right? Exactly. Keep and to your, and to your point, the bystander mentality that happens a lot when these police shootings and these black people, innocent black people die because it's someone who's not racist, letting a racist kill an innocent black person. And he sits there like, Oh, well, at least I'm not doing it. And then someone's dead. Exactly. And that's exactly how it translates. 
And it's like, oh, well, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I was just there letting him do his thing. Well, you should have been there not letting him do his thing if you were not racist. You should have been like, hey, this is too much. And that bystander mentality just translates to things that eventually get people killed. As crazy and drastic as that is to say, that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And what people need to remember, especially about that situation, is that we saw, we watched a black reporter get arrested before we even watched Mm. a murderer Mm. and his accomplices Mm. get arrested. Say that again, yeah. So... Mm. We need to stay in this fight and we need to stay in that anger because yes, you arrested him, but it came far after it should have happened. And yeah, exactly. It took people to go out into the streets to for him to get arrested. And then it took people out in the streets for another prolonged weekend to get the rest of them arrested. And then people want to act like, yo, why are people in the streets? Because when we asked nicely, they were not going to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, can you guys please arrest these guys for murdering George Floyd? No. No, we can't do that. I'm sorry. All right. So, like, what do you think people are going to do? They like, said, uh, I'm on my lunch break. I'll get back. When I get, all right, Ben. We just, we just going to, all right, you're just going to murder him. It's all right, man. No worries. We, we asked nicely. You know, we'll go back home. We'll shut up. Yeah. That, like, that's the mentality at, at, that we have to deal with. You know what I mean? Like, black people have a problem. Not we have a problem. Like, white America has a problem when black America has an opinion on how Mm. something should be done and it's like our opinion does not matter and we have to ask our opinion in the most polite nice way and then even when we do it nicely and politely it's like whoa 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 (laughs) you're disrespecting something bro like why are you asking that you're making me uncomfortable like why would you even bring that up and then it's like it's ridiculous i think that's a good segue into a point i wanted to make is that there's a lot of people I know, a lot of white people in particular, who think that, you know, they might donate some money every year or they might have a certain feeling about this movement and think that they're exonerated and think that they already do enough because of that. And we need to be wary about the people like Mitt Romney who are going to say some good things or whatever and then say, what, I'm good, I'm with your movement, but really they're not at all. Mm-hmm. And after the fact, when you might ask Mitt Romney or someone like him for more, that's when the white fragility comes into play thinking like, how, how could you ever say I'm racist? I mean, I've already said this, I've already done this. How, how dare you accuse me? And I think that that we're going to see a lot of that going forward. And it's just something to be wary about and, and be prepared for because <laughs> that's how I believe a lot of white people are going to respond. They're going to think that they did enough and that they're exonerated and the problem does not pertain to them anymore. So what wasn't uh wasn't Mitt Romney the one that was like not paying his taxes like ever? Yeah, Mitt Romney doesn't pay taxes. Yeah, yeah. so he has a lot of money left over. Is what you're saying? He has a ton of money. <laughs> no, but open uh, up that purse. <laughs> oh, give me, give oh, empty your pockets, motherfucker. But <laughs> but uh, so yeah, no, I think that um can uh we can segue over into uh Mister Mister Hood. Is there a topic that you want to get into that we can discuss as a group? Yeah, so being that um, we have a bunch, not a bunch, but several people from different backgrounds, different upbringings, I thought it would be appropriate to speak on the concept of microaggressions. 
and how that um, perpetuates the idea of racism. But before um, we get into that, I think it's important to also talk about racism, discrimination, and prejudice. Um, you know, when we look at racism, we have to look at the risk factors that perpetuate the cycles of racism. Um, and in this case, I'm speaking on like the grand scale, the grand scale of things, very broad in prejudice and discrimination. Um, and I saw a video earlier today that I thought was appropriate and great to, to bring up um, in this discussion. This guy named Paul Scanlon, I believe his name is. Um, he's an author and motivational speaker. And he was basically saying that um, prejudice is a mindset uh, about a particular race. Um, and you kind of just like make judgments and preconceived notions about this race based off of how you perceive them. Um, and then discrimination is putting those prejudices, prejudices into action. Um, while racism is when a racial group has a collective prejudice and is backed up by law. Um, and so I guess like mm. examples, um, the Ahmaud Marbury case, that was a hate crime. Uh, where they used their prejudices to act on their discrimination. But then if there was no video for that, for that what happened, if there was no evidence, I strongly believe that those dudes would probably not be in jail right now. And that is the racism part. 100%. Because there is an institution and a system put in place that makes all this shit okay. Cause that that happened like what in February, and they was talking yep. about it in May, like it was it just happened, right? And to be honest, like that situation was pure luck because the person that filmed it was with the guy, yeah. was with yep. the murderer. So like that guy was just like a profound idiot, like, <laughs> and that's why we know it happened. Like simple as that. Like which is crazy to say, like, because no one else got that on camera besides that guy and he released it because he thought he was going to be able to help them be exonerated basically mm. <laughs> which 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 is crazy yeah. which is crazy to me like literally is like dumb dumber and dumbest like together so it, it's a dumb shame over, dumb dumb over. <laughs> I'm trying to film myself and then think that that's going to get exonerated <laughs> real shit he said, hey, watch him kill. Watch I him got, kill him. I got some footage for you. He said, you know, he, he he shoots him right there. Yeah, yo, we're good, right? Nah, man. So he said, hold on. They 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 don't chase him. <laughs> they they chased him. They chased him down the block five, f about five miles. <laughs> like so, like it was like, bro, you just got the whole crime on camera. Thanks, though. <laughs> like it's crazy. I never knew that. I never. Knew that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I never knew that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yo, they get locked up on the same block, they're gonna fuck him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that old camera. They're gonna be like Seriously. phone phone bill paying ass motherfucker. <laughs> Seriously. Um also really really crazy point that he made was that black people can't be accused as racist 
as of right now. Because Scanlan made this point. The, huh? scan, the Scanlan person. Yeah. Because black people don't have the equivalent that white people do and are not backed by a system that can reinforce and protect the prejudices. At the moment. And At there's the, moment, the difference yes. between prejudice and racism. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So racism is like the system versus prejudice and um, discrimination fuels that system. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know. What, what do y'all think about, you know, can, do you agree with him? Do you think black people can be racist or? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I love I, I love that definition that we don't have the system behind us to be able to perpetuate the discrimination that we might put on to others. Because even mm-hmm. if that shit ever does go to a court of law, like that shit ain't gonna get ruled in our favor, right. like like in that situation. But like, the question that I do have that I kind of want to ask y'all: so for the definition of prejudice, do you think that in some way, shape, or form, it's most likely that all people are actually prejudiced? Everyone is prejudiced. Everyone Everyone is prejudiced. It's impossible to not be prejudiced because no matter what, like when you see someone, you have a thought in your head and that thought is Mm -hmm. prejudiced because you have no idea who that person is. So whether that's a good prejudice, whether, whether, whether that is like a good thing, you see someone like clean clothed and everything. You're like, yo, that might be an astounding citizen. That's a prejudice you have of that person. You know what I mean? Like, so no matter what, like when you see people, there's thoughts that go through your head which are prejudiced, but like, as long as you don't act on those thoughts or you treat that person as a great person when you see him, you're not acting on your prejudice. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think it it matters how you define prejudice though, because you're talking about appearance and that might mean clothing or whatever, but I think prejudice, as I understand it, it pertains to skin color. So I think while we are probably all to a degree prejudiced over things like skin color, we have to actively try to understand those and, and fight them, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think that we can get by saying that all people are prejudiced and that's okay. I mean, of course, we're human and we're going to have certain feelings about our immediate perceptions. But the more we educate ourselves and understand ourselves, we can break down those, those, bar- those prejudice barriers, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. You can critically think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, what do, what do y'all think about this thing? So in terms of sticking with prejudice, who does the onus fall on to remove that stigma for the skin color? Is it the person who, like, has the fear from what they're seeing or is it the reciprocal? So, like, let's say for me, like, if I'm walking in the suburbs, I'm a black kid with tattoos. Like, I know how I can appear in certain circumstances. Is it my responsibility to make sure that... No. I'm not going to have to find one of those. It's Aaliyah, the individual. No, you're shaking no. your head. What do, what do you think, Aaliyah? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Because the skin that you're in isn't something that you can fix about yourself. And the fact that others feel threatened, if you, when you feel threatened or when you feel a certain type of way, that is a personal feeling. You know, just, you know, you, you can't, you can't expect that somebody who's getting ill, ill feelings towards them, towards them to change something about themselves right that's mm-hmm. a very unfair unjust part of our society and i think that it, it is absolutely the responsibility of others to break down and acknowledge that mm-hmm. privilege and of that private of that prejudice and to welcome and make others feel comfortable and instead of creating this this irrational fear that they're in danger just because they see somebody with tattoos and with darker skin mm-hmm. yeah and 
the distinction I make between like someone's clothing or um, and skin color is because I, I hear so many white people say like, you know, I'm not prejudiced against black people. If anyone walks past me in that certain type of garb, then I'm going to walk to the other side of the street. And I think that that's wrong. And what they really are, they're racist, in my opinion. They're not, it doesn't have to do with what someone looks like or, or their appearance. I, I think that all pertains to skin color. So when you hear a white person try to say like, it's, it's not about their skin color. It's about like how they dress, the area they're in. I think that's always moving the goalpost away from the real, the real issue. And it's a way that a lot of white people try to justify their racist beliefs. So that's why I try to make that distinction. For no, sure. I would totally I, agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. This is how it leads it with into harmful microaggressions because if he were to then go say have a conversation with the person who was afraid and he spoke eloquently, used proper Oh, you're, you're so well said, spoken. Oh, you're so well spoken. Mm-hmm. That means, oh, you're so oh, oh, I didn't expect you to speak like that. You know, and and then that feeds into that stereotype, the break of that stereotype that originally came from a racist and prejudiced, you know. Yeah, where it comes from, black people are not supposed to be able to speak that well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Anybody but white. And let me tell you, like, to lead into that microaggression thing, that is like something like being black from the suburbs and like being from like around upper middle class, like that you deal with all the time because you're constantly going to school and like kids have no idea. And they're like, wow, like you, you're like a white black kid. And it's like, because <laughs> why? Cause I can speak English. Like, yeah. because I can speak English. Well, like what, like you're saying that because, <laughs> because I can do math. Like, you know what I mean? Because I'm in honors classes. Like I'm not black anymore. Like what they try and do, which is like very unfair is like, they try and erase your blackness to like, be like, you're smart, but it's not because you're black. You know what I mean? Like you're smart, Mm -hmm. like, but you're not black. You're not black. You're not black. You're different. You're different. And they try and like put you in a box of different. So you don't have to equate black and smart. They try and separate the two. Wow. Which is like back to the clothing thing. Like they always try to separate appearance or something from the skin color. Like it's, yeah, that's how it goes, like, yeah. which is sad because it's like how many times it's like, oh, wow, like you speak really well. And like older people say that all the time. And like people said that growing up and it's like, what did you expect me to say? Like, I'm not fr- I'm from Pennsylvania, from North Wales. I talk like everyone that came from North Wales. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. anyone that grew up <laughs> in North Wales probably talks like me. Like, what did you expect me to sound like? Like, I'm from Alabama. Like, what are you looking for here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's a backhanded, it's like a backhanded compliment. Cause it's like, wow, you're black and you're smart. Who would have thought? <laughs> it's like, what? So like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, wow. Like, wow. You know, what, like, you know, what's funny about that? Because not just the North Wales thing, but you know, they even say that about my mother and my mother's from West Philly. Both of my parents yeah. are from West Philly. And like, it's just so ridiculous how you know, even and, and we always talk about this amongst black people. It's like, oh, why are you talking like that? You sound white. So it's like you get it from both angles. Yeah, yeah that, for sure. That can that can be overly frustrating too. Like like me and Matt, we grew up around the same area, and then I moved up to North Wales with you guys. And in both areas, you know, I still talk the same. I still talk proper. Yeah. I still have a an intelligent conversation with anybody, and I don't really think it comes down to where you're from or. Or you being black is just did you pay attention in school? Did you read? Like did you like 
for sure your, your, your upbringing in your family like it's it doesn't have anything to do with all of that bullshit that's probably one of the most frustrating things yeah that i've that's had to grow right, with yeah. in my life yeah. Coming from your i totally agree yeah. i was just more so alluding to like accents and stuff because yeah. everyone expects like a little accent or something that makes your voice like different yeah. so it's like if they don't hear an accent or an impediment it's like whoa 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 we got a bright one here boys like it's like what the hell it's like it's it's a slap in the face because it's like all i'm doing and like you know i'm just going to class i'm trying to be the best person i can be and then it's like because i'm trying to be the best person i can be it's like oh well you're you know you're a different type of black yeah like you're not you're not like full black you're like partially black even though like my mom's black and my dad's black and my grandma's black and my grandma's black you know what i mean like yeah. it's like they want to erase part of it and be like there's got to be something that makes you different from the rest of them because they yeah. try it's they like tries to divorce blackness from like being smart which is a shame so, yeah so they and intelligence it's yeah. like they're trying to divorce being black and intelligence like the mm -hmm. two cannot be together there has to be some reason that you're smart like there's got to be another reason. There's something there that they can't explain, not, which is frustrating. I'm ready to understand that black black people, people can be like smart. Everyone else, and they yeah, um, they're, they're not ready for the conversation that we're all human, and yeah. you know it's a little bit of melanin, a chemical melanin that makes us darker than others, and they're not ready to realize that. Hey, guess what? We're all human beings. Guess what? You know we have the same potential to be smart. All of us, whether you're black, white, or Asian, like we all have the potential. Yeah. Like your potential is not limited because of a skin color. I mean, in America, it is because of the laws, but like your potential is not limited due to a skin color. Like you're not born and you're you look a certain way, and then all of a sudden, oh, since he's black, all right, these sliders go this way, this slider goes this way. It's not like someone's got a checkbook, like making your stats when you're born because of your color. It's all genetic makeup. Yeah, and that's why it's so important for us to work, especially in the climate that we're in right now, to break down, you know, that stereotype that there's only one way to be black. You know, there's never an instance where there's only one way to be white. You know, exactly. it's multifaceted. Mm -hmm. And, and yep. that's why it's so important for us as, as black allies and for our white allies to realize that there is not just one way to be, to be black. Um, and I just kind of wanted to bring up this point um, from talking about microaggressions um, from a female standpoint and a mm. black female standpoint at that. You know, because, you know, being in the, you know, being in the suburbs, um, you know, I'm growing up around predominantly, you know, being in predominantly white schools, you know, females, we get this, these comments all the time, black females, oh, you're pretty for a black girl. Mm. Or, oh, mm. I, 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 um, I like, I like to date, to date black girls, you know, and mm. then, or I don't like to date black girls or I don't date, you know, and, you know, that leads into beauty standards when it go when it, when it pertains to black females. Mm. And then we have mm. this whole system of, you know, our hair and the unacceptance of our natural hair, which mm -hmm. has been, you know, pushed down for so many years and just squandered where women are losing their jobs for, for embracing their natural beauty, you know, but because it's not a part of the beauty standard or, you know, the white perspective of, you know, what beauty is, you know, it's, 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 it's distracting or it's not, it's not appropriate. Yeah, it's like um, unkempt. 
Who the yeah. fuck yeah. are they to tell you? Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> let them know, eh? <laughs> I mean, sometimes they don't have to tell you. They show you through representation. Right. When you're constantly not being represented in Barbie dolls, when you're constantly not being represented in Miss America, when you're constantly not being represented as anchors on TV, you know, they don't have to necessarily tell you. It's it's mm. shown. And you know, like to your point in TV shows when they use black actresses and they straighten their hair and they make their hair look more like a white person, a white lady's hair. It's like, yeah. hey, this is how you should look if you want to appear on TV or if you want to succeed and become a star, you need to have your hair like that. And then like for a while it took like I remember uh donald glover when he made atlanta and the girl had uh her bed wrap on and people and black women were so hyped that she had a bed wrap on because black ladies are going to bed with no bed wraps on it's like a black woman know like damn her hair gonna be a mess in the morning like come on yo that's not real like who's doing that so it's small things like that yeah or even the whole uh even the whole uh, light skin, dark skin on TV, like sitcoms yeah. and stuff. They they always make the darker skin woman the aggressor, or mm-hmm. she's tough, or she's you know it's, it's a lot of banter back and forth. Yeah. And I and I, growing up, I didn't really pay attention to that until like some of my uncles would be like, "Oh, I'm so tired of this," and because they had darker skin daughters, and they'd be like, "That's not a positive representation of just the whole black female experience." Yeah. Exactly. It's always pitting us against each other. Yep. And to, and, to, yeah. to piggyback off that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. sorry. No. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, Get it together, guys. I put, <laughs> I put up this video on Do It Now yesterday, actually, um, about microaggressions. And, you know, they described it in the sense of, like, mosquito bites. So, you know, if you get bit by, by one mosquito, you know, it's annoying, it itches, you know, but you're going to be okay. You know, it's not that big of a deal. And everyone around you doesn't think it's that big of a deal. But if you get by, bit by 100 mosquitoes in one day, that's going to be a bigger deal, you know? And that's the lasting effects of these microaggressions and these lack of representations and, and macroaggressions of blatant racism that people, you know, like you all have described, receive on a day-to-day basis. So. You ain't take no bath if you get bit by 100 mosquitoes in a day. <laughs> <laughs> and then to that point, too, like, people, like, that affects people. And then, like, Aaliyah said, like, all those, like, we'll use the same analogy, like, all of those bites, like, mosquito bites build up on a person's mental. And there's not, like, like, black people don't have, like, there's not this huge resource of black therapists that they can go to to talk, to explain what they're feeling and how those microaggressions can build on a person and lead to depression and other things. And it's like, these kids are depressed and it's like, it's hard to go to a white therapist who might not understand all the nuances that you're trying to explain to them. So how are you going to get help for like your mental health? If there's not like active resources, like in front of your face. So that's like another like privilege that is not available to us where it's like, there's this like group of just black therapists readily available to help you through these microaggressions or through this, like, you know, oppression, like you're just supposed to deal with it basically. And to be docile, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, all right, you got to deal with it you don't have any help because it's no one, you know, no one's there. No one's pointing you like, here's the help you can get. Like, you know, if someone else is like having trouble with depression, it's like, all right, we can get you him. We can get you to see him. We can get you to see them. It's not like there's a therapist there ready to help you with racism. Like 
you're a black person, you're a black person, how, how are you going to go to someone white and be like, hey, I'm experiencing these microaggressions, and they might have, they might give you the same microaggressions that you're trying to avoid and get help for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to say, and I think, Hood, you're next, so you could go first, but I do have one point I think we should, should hit. Um, I was going to say, like, growing up and getting microaggression from both sides, was like really hard um, on me in terms of finding identity. Mm-hmm. And like, so, you know, speak too proper for the black kids, mm-hmm. but then like, you're also a little bit too too aggressive or too vocal for the white Too kids. urban. Yeah, yeah, too urban. I hate that word. I hate that word, by the way. <laughs> um, You're not exploring the urban but, genre in Apple Music. <laughs> you don't like, get all your fits from Urban Outfitters. <laughs> <laughs> if culture vultures were a store. Simple things like wow, wow. I got a funny that's that's urban a fact Outfitters though. Story too for later. <laughs> oh shit. The uh, something simple as like saying, "Wow, you know you're." You're really calm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what am I supposed to be right now? It's, it's just there's this idea that, that black men and women are these animalistic beings. That Yo, that's always... a wild statement. <laughs> it is. That's when what they, I'm saying. Because I would have responded like, "What do you mean?" Like, <laughs> you can't, and you can't. <laughs> Because then that just feeds into their ideology. It's just yeah, like Jordan. They think we're uh, saying, "Yo, the moon's out. You're gonna turn into an ape." <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and so but to Hood's point, like, there's a lot of code switching that like we have to do, and like through like without even really knowing, and like middle school to high school to try and find out like who you are. Because you know, like where we grew up, there's like you know. You a lot of the times it was like you have your black friends, you your black friends, and your white friends, and it's yep. like shit. Like when I'm with them, I gotta try and act a certain way, and like maybe try and be a little different. And then it's like, all right, I'm with my black friends, I gotta try and act and be a certain way. Like I mean, we were kind of lucky that like you know we played football, so like a lot of it was mixed kind of too. So like mm-hmm. we could really get a chance to just be ourselves because like everyone was around, and I think that like helped a lot. You know what I mean? Like, but it's tough because it's like you're going back and forth and you just want to be accepted for who you are. So you have a harder time trying to find who you are because you're trying too much to fit in. To fit into a mold, yeah. And it's like you don't know what to do and what's right either because there's no one there guiding you being like, this is right. This is how you should be. And like, you should just be able to be who the fuck you want to be. You know what I mean? If you're happy right. today, you can be happy. If you're mad today, you can be mad. Like, there's not a certain way to act. Like, you don't have to be anything for anyone. The only person you should be trying to impress is yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're happy with who you are, then don't change for anyone. That's all that matters. Because like, at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself. Like, they don't have to live with you. When they go home, they get to do whatever you want. You have to pick who you want to be. So... Like, I think the point I wanted to make is really well illustrated by what Hood just said when people would say, you know, you're so calm as a microaggression. And and what I wanted to to make clear is that it goes even deeper than just on an individual level, how it makes you feel like, of course, that that has a horrible effect, too, because it makes on an individual level, it's going to make you feel bad. But 
it goes even deeper to like a societal level. Them trying to say like, you're so calm with the intention that you shouldn't be calm because you're black. It, it means a whole host of things. And it, for one, it makes police respond to you in a different way because they That's expect you to be aggressive yep. or something. So mm-hmm. all these microaggressions have a manifestation that is much deeper than the individual level into society. And I think that's like the really insidious part of these microaggressions because they kind of steer how people believe and it's, it's really dangerous. Mm. And, and that's, that was pretty much the point of this whole yeah. discussion. Like what you perceive is what you believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are just going to perpetuate whatever, whatever they perceive so and this and this and the sad thing is american society is built on a lot of those microaggressions so it's like they're like deeply rooted and that's why it's so hard to get people to realize this because it's so ingrained in our everyday lifestyle and a lot of their everyday lifestyles that it's hard for them to imagine their everyday lifestyle could be wrong a lot of it's shit people don't even realize too and that's why it's so powerful it's like we might not even understand our own implicit biases and like it, it constructs our reality. And like when you don't even understand where you're coming from, but you're saying things that are harmful, it's really dangerous. Which is why like we really on an individual level, we have to like, all of us really have to look Mm -hmm. inward and like practice introspection and with, within like our own racial biases and prejudices that help fuel this, this engine known as make sure we don't say that shit i mean a lot of my friends get annoyed by me because i'm always they call me like pc police and shit but like i do think that all this stuff really has an effect and we got to be really careful with our words i mean i hated pc i remember when we had the podcast before how i talked about how pc is a bunch of bs (laughs) like there's no reason that people should feel bad or like be called PC police for trying to be better to other people. Yeah. Like you're trying, you're getting made fun of to try and be nice to people. People are saying, Hey, I don't like when people say this. And then they're like, and you say it and it's like, Oh, PC police. It's like, they don't want to be called that. I'm not going to call them that there's no reason you should. And like, that's not your freedom of speech to just openly oppress them or beat them down. Like people love to just say like, oh, I'm, you know, I believe that, you know, black people are bad. First Amendment, though. First Amendment, though. It's my right. It's my right to say that. (laughs) Like they try and hide behind stuff like that, which is ridiculous. And then they also want to act like racism is a difference in opinion. Like it's not. There are certain things that are right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is something where it's right and wrong. And if you have the wrong opinion, you shouldn't be surprised if people start distancing themselves for you or are vocal about your terrible wrong opinion well Reagan, so that's I another thing quick counter to people who act like racism is right or wrong i mean you kind of just present it to them i mean they want their own human rights so if they're mm. willing to identify their own human rights but not yours then they're contradicting themselves and i mean that's wrong inherently mm. it's just agree but that the thing is like people have done that throughout throughout time you know what i mean like they have been doing it yeah racists aren't rational so that's yeah no no that's what i'm saying like that's what i'm saying like it's a right or wrong thing like they're definitely not rational you can't be rational and thinking you want your human rights but you don't want anyone else to have them that's irrational say about the whole like uh pc microaggression culture is that i do think that a lot of people think that they could get by with saying these jokes in private or whatever you know i i didn't say it to 
you know, you might make a homophobic slur or joke or something, but none of your friends are gay. I think that that still is harmful. And I've had a lot of pushback from people who might think that it's not because there was no person of that uh, orientation there. And I think we need to fix ourselves and our language in every context before, just primarily. I mean, that's, we always have to look to ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, I have nothing nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Exactly. Yeah. And if nonetheless, even if that said person doesn't necessarily pass on that microaggression, which is highly unlikely, you know, in some way they definitely will. Um, but even if they didn't, they made it through and never passed on that microaggression to a person of color, they're going to pass it along to either a child or another person. Right. And that person is going to become in contact and will create that microaggression again. Um, so it, you know, that pass along culture, like you guys were saying earlier, is just, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just a problem and yeah. it, it should be stopped. Yeah. It's extremely contagious. Yeah. And that, and that could tie, that could tie directly into like what Reagan was saying, like racism, it's not a matter of opinion. It's, it's what's right is right. And what's wrong is wrong. But yeah. if I'm talking to a person who comes from a lineage of racists, and the American school system only teaches, you know, white is right, black is bad. Mm-hmm. That racism is their truth. That's, that's, it's not, yeah. they don't think they're doing anything wrong. You can't convince someone who doesn't know that they're doing something wrong, that you're doing something wrong. It's like, I'm basically saying to somebody like, hey, everything that you and your family have been doing for a hundred years, is fucked up. And they're like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, and they, they truly honestly don't get it. Like you, you have some people who don't want to get it. Like they don't no, hundred percent agreed. Because yep. then, then they have to then they have to admit, like, oh damn, my dad might not have been the best guy. My grandpa might not have been the best guy. It's like you got to mm-hmm. turn the mirror on, like your whole family of people who like you have love and respect for. Be like, damn, like they weren't really conducting themselves, and like they lacked basic human decency. And I fucked around and picked up on those traits. Oh shit! Like it's a it's a self realization that a lot of people don't want to have to come to. Yeah. yeah, it's very hard to admit, like to your point, Matt, it's very hard to admit, especially like when you've been trapped that long to be like, yo, my family was like, to put it like even blunter, like my family were bad people. Like, it's very hard to like admit, like, cause that's basically what they have to do. It's like, Hey, my family were not good people. And it's hard for people to admit that. Cause then to a, to a point you're admitting you weren't a good person for a while, but it yeah. takes a big person to change and admit that and be like, Hey, yeah. I was wrong. Cause they can make a profound change. And then yeah. to bring back to our stories, those are the kind of stories, you know, we're trying to look for like from anyone, because like there's people that go through experiences like that and they finally break free and see the light. And that's like, it's through stories and different life experiences that made them get there. Like they didn't get there by themselves or their family or their environment. Yep. And yeah. I think, and I think that's just uh, the one thing I want to close this off with is just it starts it starts with us. It starts mm-hmm. with your your circle. It starts with your your having these conversations with your coworkers. Like don't don't think that you having like one discussion with a person, ah, it won't matter in the grand scheme of things. No, it will because you don't know if that like we've been saying this whole podcast is that word of mouth is contagious. So you could have one conversation with one person, it could lead to them having a conversation with the whole family. But at the end of the day, you need to start being comfortable with having these uncomfortable conversations. And, you know, we have to we have to get out of the mindset that that we can't 
make a difference doing it because that's to like what Matt was saying that it's just that that bystander effect. Oh, I don't think I'm gonna make a difference. Well, there's someone else that's thinking the same thing too. There's another person who's thinking that, and you know what? The whole world's gonna be thinking that, and here we are again, saying the same shit. So, um, but I just want to say thank you, Aunt Reagan, Aaliyah, for coming on. Uh, I want you guys to one more time plug a story for a change and uh, and uh, do it now, and then Aaliyah, plug your event once again. But look, guys, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast today, having yes, this discussion yes, with yes, us, yes. and thank you. being open about everything. This was a really good discussion. Uh, thank you guys very much. Um, hey guys, you know, follow a story for a change, uh, story for change at, on Instagram, where we post our stories. Um, we're looking for stories, um, actually right now. So our Gmail is at a story for change at gmail.com. We're looking from stories, especially right now. We've, we've have a lot of male stories. We're really looking for, um, female stories right now. So we would love the female verse, uh, voice to be heard. So, we obviously are looking for all stories, but right now we would really love for some females to give us some powerful stories because we're looking to hear from you guys as well. So um, I'll let Ann handle the rest. Um, one thing I, I want to say is that our IG page, we couldn't get the name for a story for change for the IG page. So when you look <laughs> it up, it's story. story. <laughs> Don't follow but the yeah. wrong person. Yeah, also if you guys um real quick if you guys could i know it's gonna seem but like we're trying to grow here and we're trying to play the instagram game and you know the instagram game is very like about like clout and doing things that like we don't want to do to promote like our organization that's not for ourselves so like if people you know can like comment interact on our posts we would really love for people to like and interact on our posts so it could be seen by a greater audience so hopefully we can um exact change in a bigger way than we already are now the last last thing i gotta say because i said i would say it is about <laughs> my urban outfitters story. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell the story dang it. <laughs> wait wait before you do i gotta get these jokes off real quick wait wait uh, and, and before you do let's let let's let Aaliyah close yeah, you yeah, off yeah. and then, and then we'll, we'll end on a story and then we'll I'm end so on and we'll end on the story, story because I, I assume it's funny so okay Perfect. Aaliyah. I can't, I can't wait to hear the story. Um, but yes, um, can't, I like, hope you get involved with the Juneteenth event. Um, follow us at doitnow underscore movement. That's at doitnow underscore movement on Instagram. Um, the event on Facebook is actually private, um, but we can easily add you in. I have a team that's working to add in accounts um, that were not initially in there. So you can take a screenshot of your Facebook profile page and your picture and DM it to us and we will make sure that you're added into the event. From there, you can invite up to 500 people. So make sure that you keep sharing the love um, and we will continue to connect you with black businesses, black culture and black history. And we hope that you um, can tune in on June 19th and um, just see all of the amazing things that black people and you know black lineage and legacy has been able to create even through the oppression, even through the racism, racism, even through the injustice. Um, we are dope and we've done some amazing stuff and we are capable of some amazing stuff. So we hope you tune in and see some of that. Love it. 
All right, Ant, let's let's Black let's hear let's hear let's hear the so, infamous Urban Outfitter story. So this guy I go to law school with. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the band Joy Division, but they have mm-hmm. a very particular logo on one of their CDs. And I walk up to this kid. I was like, "Oh, sick! You got a Joy Division shirt on." And he was like, "Oh." what's joy division and i was like what do you mean you got the shirt on he's like oh i don't know i just bought it from urban outfitters <laughs> hey, i told you man like culture vultures man I, I told you man like bro that's really how urban is Our people be like yo that looks cool as hell I'll be rocking something they have no idea bro <laughs> yo how salty do you I think he felt <laughs> we, we, oh just, we should just we should just start like sending like like terrible figures and then try to like amplify them as dope like send a picture of david duke like yo this is actually like david bowie like yo we should- <laughs> <laughs> like, like yo man like- <laughs> but but no cat like those fashion industries would easily believe some shit like that uh, and then have to get easily. checked and be like this whoa, whoa, whoa we didn't mean it we had no idea we were just trying to bolter <laughs> wait, wait wait until the kkk gets the off-white <sighs> Like, oh, I mean, shit, bro. Vir- <laughs> at this point, Virgil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, nah, you know, keeping it, keeping keep it, keeping it, keeping it to Virgil, you know. Who knows what that guy? Jesus Christ! <laughs> My man gonna have that pointy X hood right on the hood. <laughs> Oh you can God. put a zip tie on there. <laughs> uh, oh, he man. said, uh, he said, he said we the we the cream KK. This the <laughs> cream KK. <cake. laughs> <laughs> so cream get the money. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. Only fifties though. Only fifties though. Yeah, easily. <laughs> but look, y'all. I, I mean, look. Thank you for coming on, man. And hood, you gotta give them. The trunks up noise. You gotta give, give it, it to him. People. Give it to him, bull. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Run that back. Run that back, Turbo. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my elephant noise. Oh, I love it. Let's get it. We out here, dog. Trunks up. Trunks yeah. up. Thanks hey, for having us. Yeah, thank you all for coming. Thanks on. for joining. Thank you for joining. Yes, thanks for having us. This thank has you. been special. Yes. <laughs>